Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So I'm so glad you're joining me today and taking time to listen and wanting to have some education. And, and this week, if you're just tuning in today, we are doing a week on addictions. And this Friday, we have a guest that's going to be talking to us about an in- intensive outpatient program for Christians that is brand new. So I'm really excited about that. And we really talked a lot the last two days about what addictions are, the difference between dependency, abuse versus addiction, compulsive disorders, the, all these types of, seems very complicated. But what we want to really look at is how do we know when something is, is, is unhealthy for us? And the first thing you want to think about is that the use is maladaptive. And so it, it causes things to get worse over time. It isn't actually helping. It may have felt good in the beginning, helped a little bit in the beginning. The more chronic the use, the more maladaptive our body becomes, the more maladaptive our life becomes. And that there's a pattern to the use. We also want to think about, are, are, are the effects clinically significant? Are they important? And that, that's one of the ways that we, we do some, some diagnosing, is how much is this affecting? How significant is the effect of this habitual use of a substance or the habitual compulsive behavior? When we, like, we talk about eating disorders as a compulsive disorder or food, any type of food addictions, shopaholism, uh, workaholism, these types of things, sex addictions, these are compulsive behaviors. And over time, they really do hijack our life. And so we want to look at the causes, like how, how, do, how much distress or impairment is happening in the person's life. So how does drug use actually become an addiction? How does the compulsive b- disorder actually become what we would say clinically significant. It actually becomes a diagnostic issue. Because, you know, we have people that, that abuse things, and that doesn't necessarily mean they become addicted. So we have people that might overeat on Thanksgiving. That doesn't make a food addiction. We have people that uh, maybe acted out sexually. That doesn't necessarily make it a compulsive disorder or what we would call diagnostic and uh, significant. And so what, what we want to think about is that not everyone that uses drugs becomes addicted because each person's body and brain are very different. So people react to drugs differently. And your relationships, your surroundings, and the stress also can make you more or less likely to become addicted. But how does taking drugs really become an addiction? Well, here's what we want to understand about the brain and the body. Our brains want us to repeat things that we enjoy. Like, this is why we want to eat more dessert than we should. And that's why a little child often shouts, again, again, do it again, when you do something that makes him or her laugh. So all drugs of abuse excite the parts of the brain that make you feel good. 
people wouldn't do them if they didn't have a, have a positive effect initially. But after you take the drug for a while, the feel-good parts of your brain get used to it. Then you need to take more and more to get the same effect. Soon your brain and your body must have that drug or that behavior just to simply feel normal. So you feel sick and awful without it and anxious or depressed. So you no longer have the good feelings that you had when you first started using it. It's very, and, and so it's, it's a very complicated, complex issue. And it's frustrating for anybody that has become addicted to not have any good feelings anymore but feel compelled to continue in a behavior that's not working. So understanding it, why do some people become addicts and, and other people don't? Well, there's no single factor that predicts whether or not a person that starts using drugs is going to become addicted or not. And uh, this, is, this comes from uh, drug addiction. These are some helpful articles. So I really like the, a lot of the information that we have now about addictions. And so an individual's risk for addiction, this is often influenced by a combination of biological and environmental factors. That would be things such as genetics. So we do know that there is a hereditary issue that causes people maybe to be more predisposed to addicting. And that does play a significant role in an addiction. So for example, children with addicted parents are four, more time, four times more likely than other children without addicted parents to become addicts themselves. And I've used the example frequently about my biological uh, mother and father what I found out about them, they could not quit smoking until the day they died. And I loved cigarettes when I was in college. It was very difficult for me to quit. And I did not come from a family. My adopted family doesn't have any substances or any substance use at all in it. And so it was natural for me to do that. And so this is where we, like, what we understand is that about 60% of individuals struggling with alcoholism have a family history of alcoholism. And so there's also going to be some underlying psychiatric conditions. And that means many individuals that are suffering from underlying psychiatric conditions such as anxiety, depression, mood disorders, have, have certainly a higher chance of becoming an addict. And the addiction typically starts when the psychiatric disorder overwhelms the individual with all those horrible negative feelings sadness, confusion, uh, anxiety, loneliness. And so when you're burdened with these types of feelings, many people look for self-medicating solutions, and it can lead to drug and alcohol addiction. We also want to look at a social environment. So individuals who live or work or go to school in an environment saturated with drugs and alcohol, they're far more likely to become addicted as well. There's a lot of factors such as peer pressure and societal norms, access to alcohol and drugs. This has a lot to do with whether or not somebody is going to start going down that road. Another very important factor that we have come to find about addictions is trauma. When people are suffering from traumatic events such as abuse or neglect during childhood, if they experience sexual abuse, they experience the loss of a significant loved one, they lose a parent, a parent's divorce, this really can strongly factor into whether or not an individual's 
choice to use alcohol and drugs. So we've seen this a lot with uh, we, the, the um, condition of post-traumatic stress syndrome really was figured out with Vietnam vets. We recognize what happened when they came home. One of the ways they tolerated the war is they had access to drugs while they were fighting this war. Many vets don't necessarily do that while they're at, in a war zone, but when they come home, trying to, to really deal with everything they saw or what they had to do, that post-traumatic stress oftentimes leads to addictions. They also come home injured many times. And the injury and the treatment of the injury oftentimes can lead to addictions. So there are some myths that are affiliated with addiction and the reality behind them. And so what's one of the first myths? Well, I can tell if I'm going to get addicted to some substance or not so I can choose to stop before that happens. This is, this is a myth. The reality is it's almost impossible to tell the exact moment when any given person succumbs to the pitfalls of alcohol and drug addiction. It can strike anyone at any time, and the person simply cannot stop his or her substance abuse to avoid the addiction. This is why it's dangerous to interact with these addicting substances because our brain lies to us and we think we're handling it we think we can manage it and we end up finding out that we're addicted once once there's an addiction then there's a lot of hiding and lying that come with that that exacerbate the addiction the worse people feel about themselves the guiltier they feel the higher the tendency to continue the substance so what, what happens is the addiction is, is recognized as a chronic brain disease. This is the reality. Because of the way in which certain substances affect the physical, emotional, and, men and mental attributes of the human body. So alcohol and drugs alter the brain chemistry of the user in the, and, and in the human body's attempt to function properly while under the influence. So we talked yesterday a lot about that altered experience. So the process actually changes the cell structure of the body and causes the individual to develop the dependence on the substance to survive. This is why we are very careful when we are detoxing people. Because if the, if the body becomes so dependent on the substance, if we remove the substance too quickly, that person could die. And so the individual, again, can't predict when he or she will become addicted. So that they, they, they can't predict when they should stop using it. The biological changes happen very quickly and without notice. And the hindering of the individual's ability to recognize it, that he or she is actually struggling with an addiction. Because this is where denial is a key aspect of the addicting process. So what's another myth? Well, here's the, how, how about this one? There's an addiction gene that guarantees that you will become an addict if you have it, and you're not susceptible to addictions if you don't have the gene. This is a myth. There are many people that have that hereditary that do not become addicts, and there are many people that do not have that genetic gene, that hereditary, 
But if they use an addictive substance too long, the body, the brain, become addicted. You may not, your spirit may not be, your soul, but your body is. If you do it often enough, long enough, the body can't not become altered. So despite the fact that 50% of addictive predispositions are attributed to genes, there is no definitive evidence that genes alone cause an individual to become addicted to drugs or alcohol. This is why we have many people that don't have that hereditary issue. They get, uh, they, they incur a chronic uh, or a, a terrible injury. In order to manage the pain, they eventually many times can become dependent or addicted to a narcotic simply because that's what the body does. So addiction is caused by a combination of factors that can and most likely do include genetics, but that's not to say that individuals that don't have a family history associated with addictions will never develop an addiction if they abuse alcohol and drugs. So everyone is susceptible to an addiction at, at any given time. And this is why we need to be extremely careful with these substances. What's another myth? Well, this is a, kind of a popular one. It's a choice to become an addict. No, that, isn't, that is a myth. It's a choice whether or not to engage in the use of addictive substances, but it is not a choice to become an addict. Nobody chooses to become an addict. That's absurd. Why would anyone want to do that? So addiction is a chronic brain disease, and just as individuals wouldn't choose to be diagnosed with cancer or diabetes, it's not a choice to become addicted to drugs or alcohol. The initial choice to take the first drink and are used for the first time, that is a choice. But, is the, but it's the substance itself combined with the changes in the brain chemistry that can lead the individual to continue abusing alcohol or drugs and develop the addiction. So answering the question as to why certain individuals become addicts while other people do not is complicated. It's not easy. As a matter of fact, there really never can be one solidified answer. So the most important thing to understand is that addiction can happen to anyone at any time. So if you or a loved one is struggling with alcohol and drug addiction, don't hesitate to seek drug rehab treatment. There is no shame in, in choosing to be healthy, choosing to overcome an addiction. That's something to be extremely proud of, not ashamed of. Nobody chooses to be an addict. So why, why some people are drug addicts? Why, why would that be? Well, there is, there is science that we're, we're really on the, finally on the verge of cracking some addictions and, and understanding it better. So we know that addicts lose control of their lives and that they would as soon give up breathing than to stop using their preferred substances. The critical question of why one member of an adolescent peer group becomes the addict and others don't, why one adult, why this gentleman, this woman does and the other one doesn't, even if they use the same amount, this, this remains kind of open. The oldest explanation of addiction is that it's a moral weakness. And this is unsatisfactory because it, it's circular. It does not tell us why some individuals are capable of resisting addiction. In general, 
what you want to think about are the people that resist addictions, resist doing addictive behaviors, are, are that group of people that don't want an altered experience. So the question is, why does one person want this altered experience and the other person says, yeah, I don't really like that feeling. I, I don't, you know, we have many people that drink one drink. They start to drink the second one and they go, oh, I, I'm kind of feeling it. And they don't like the effects. Where the other person thinks, wow, if a little is good, more is better. So scientists, they dislike the moralistic interpretation because it evokes free will that is considered inherently unscientific. Now, we have free will when it comes to choice, whether or not we start down that road. But our body doesn't ask us permission as to whether or not it will addict. So drug addiction causes all sorts of medical problems because the disease theory holds that the addict has a biological vulnerability to addiction before they ever begin to use the drug. And we know this to be true. We also do know, like we said earlier, that even if you don't have a predisposition, if you've indulged in it for too long, too often, your body will addict. So addictions produce this reinforcing property of the drug that boosts from the experiments showing that we use lab animals to really understand some of the addictive process. And so the riddle of who gets addicted, the problem of why individuals become addicts remains open. But biological psychologists, they're zeroing in on some solution. And so it, it's, it's really important to understand that addicts, what, what we have found is that the, the brain of people that are more susceptible to addictions have underactive dopamine systems and suffer from a decreased capacity to experience pleasure in their ordinary lives. This is why addicts, we know, are more prone to high-risk behavior. And so it's not surprising because brain receptors tend to get depleted um, from the overstimulation by that neurotransmitter. So researchers are really understanding that genetic abnormalities in dopamine systems are directly correlated with addictive tendencies. Now, we can understand all of this, and we can, you know, the more we know about the brain, the better we treat. But we still have to respect who we are how we are made, and the fact that we are fallen. And so some people are fallen in other ways, and other people are more, more fallen in, in other, other possibilities. So we have to respect the fact that we're in a body that is fallen, and that's part of being responsible for who you are and what your body is about. So this dopamine abnormality is also related many times to a lack of social inhibition. And this is found in many addicts. And alcoholics have a tendency to ignore many of the social conventions about alcohol use, for instance. It should be social. It should never be done before noon. It should be restricted to the evening meal or never have more than three drinks. And so we know that that dopamine abnormality is kind of like where there should be a gate, there isn't one. And so these, when we really are looking at this, we start to really understand better why many times anyone that struggles with addictions does well on antidepressants because it helps the brain. So again, there's no single factor as to whether or not a person's going to be addicted to drugs. But we have biology, so we know that 
that genetic predisposition has much to do with it. We know that environment has much to do with it. We have lots of studies that have, have recognized and identified so much about relationships and how powerful relationships are in either helping people resist addictions or heal from addictions and stay away from being addicted or relapsing. So the environment that the person lives in is also a huge factor. And we know that because God is a God of relationship. And one of the ways he heals his people is through relationship. So we know that attachment, bonding, have a lot to do with whether or not somebody is able and feels strong enough to do life without that kind of support. So when we have families that are breaking up, we have divorce, we have sexual abuse, we have physical abuse, we have people that are um, going from family to family, this, is, this causes a higher susceptibility to any type of drug abuse. So when we look at the impact on society, beyond the negative consequences for the individual drug abuser and the addiction that that person is going to be struggling with, there's significant impact on society at large. And the estimates of the total overall cost of substance abuse in the United States, including productivity, health, crime-related costs, get ready for this, exceeds $600 billion annually. And this includes approximately $193 billion for the illicit drugs, $193 billion for tobacco, $235 billion for alcohol. And as staggering as these numbers are, they don't fully describe the breadth and the width of the destructive public health and safety implications of drug abuse and addiction such as the family disintegration, loss of employment, failure in school, domestic child abuse, domestic violence. So prevention truly is the key. And that goes back to do not judge the addict. The more we judge people that struggle with addictions, the more they will hide it, the more they will lie, the more they will remain in it. So we want to take the stigma out of it. Nobody asks for an addiction. Nobody starts out using any of these substances or, or behaviors to get addicted. This is why it's imperative that we educate ourselves and that if you're struggling with an addiction, that you get the help that you need. If you know someone that is, the supportive approach, the loving approach, and learning about boundaries and the resistance of codependency is imperative as we are helping the people we love. So if you missed any shows this week, you can find them, <coughs> excuse me, you can find them on the website. And the prior week, we did actually helping the one we love. And are we actually helping them? And so these are great resources. Make sure you join me again tomorrow as we talk more about how to heal from an addiction. And Friday, we have a guest with us that's got a great new intensive outpatient program for Christians. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Have a great day. Make sure you check out all the social media that we have for you. If you need a keynote speaker, I love to speak to your group about any topic that you need. Have a blessed day, and I will talk to you tomorrow.
To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.